wasn't so long ago we were speaking uh, to Jeff Armstrong about Volume 1, Spirit of the Red V, uh, Century of uh, Dragons Rugby League, and um, Volume 2 is now out, and it starts in September 1967 when St George lost their preliminary final to Canterbury-Bankstown to end that incredible 11-year winning streak. So Volume 1 finished in the dressing room there and that's where Volume 2 starts and uh, delighted to say we have Jeff on the line this morning. Morning Jeff, how are you? I'm very well. Good morning gentlemen. Jeff, uh, just uh, often after long eras of uh, domination and particularly 11 years as St George had, when it comes to an end, there's sort of tumultuous change at a club. Is that what's happened? Is that what happened with St George after that loss or was things just sort of bowl along as normal for a period of time before there was change? In some ways, there was huge change, uh, essentially because St George, in the period 1956 to 1966, when they won the Premiership every year, they were dominant. From 67 on, they were not that standout force that they'd been, but at the same time, they were still competitive just about every year. They had some wonderful players. They still had the biggest fan base across Australia, in fact, across the world, in terms of Australian club football. And uh, so, in, in some ways... The story continued unabated, but in other ways, you know, there was huge change. I think from the moment that the New South Wales Rugby League decided to split the St George district in two by inviting Cronulla into the comp, uh, that changed things a lot. Jeff, uh, as far as the headlines were concerned back then, though, that those first few years after the, the long run of premierships, were they victims of their own success? Were they sort of judged so incredibly highly that anything other than a grand final victory was seen as a failure? To a degree, as a young fan, I'm not old enough to have seen the 11 premierships, but I was on the hill at Cogra right through the 70s, and I can remember just what hard markers some of the old fans on the hill were of the St George teams of the 70s, which to a young bloke like me was a bit bizarre because the team was always near the top of the table. They made four grand finals in the 70s. They won two competitions. And yet, yeah, they were often judged against the, the feats of Gaznia and, uh, and Raper and Proven, which makes it very, very hard. It, it, it's funny with St George. St George is seen as post-67 as having not been as successful. But in the next 30 years, they made nine grand finals. So uh, they, didn't, they didn't do too badly. Jeff, there seemed to be uh, just you know an outsider looking in, just to convey a conveyor belt of uh, wonderful players during that era that just came and played for St George. I'm interested in your comments that uh, Cronulla were entered the competition and sort of split the district. Did uh, did did the endless conveyor belt to some extent stop at that stage, or did the demographic of the suburb change, or what changed, if anything? Oh, the demographics changed considerably. When St George came into the competition in 1921, the area was essentially rural, and for the next uh, 45 years, the population just grew. It became a place where young families would, um, you know, buy their their quarter acre block, and the district was dotted with goalposts. But from the um, <clears throat> the late 60s on, the the population plateaued. Um, the, those young families that had previously moved into the St George district were now moving into the Sutherland Shire or out west of Parramatta and Penrith and around that area, southern, south, western Sydney. So, yeah, the St George district changed. One advantage St George had, because it was still the, the most popular club across Australia, young footballers wanted to play for St George. So there was a, a stream of you know great young players came to St George, especially from the Illawarra, players like um, Ted Goodman and uh, Craig Young, uh, Steve Morris, Brian Johnson, these sort of players. So St George still 
had um, a, a real source of talent, but it, it, it was coming from different places. It wasn't coming from the local district, as had been the case in the past. When did fans stop supporting a district that they lived in? Jeff, when did they become franchise supporters? Was it around about that time? Well, you know, television was a, a huge factor in that. Um, St George built up a, a really strong fan base across Australia in the 50s and 60s, and this is especially true in, in Queensland, through the uh, the radio broadcast of the match of the day from Sydney. I, I know from talking to Anthony Griffin, and that's, that's how he became a St George supporter, living in Rockhampton. And then in the 70s, when television came through, it, it's a funny thing, you know, St George playing all white, and yet their jersey, their outfit, was perfectly made for colour TV. Mm. And when the, the matches were on television, uh, St. St George's fan base, like other clubs, but especially with St George because they were so popular, um, yeah, their fan base wasn't just based around Cogger Oval, it was based across Australia. And Jeff, uh, you mentioned nine grand finals in the uh, subsequent uh, period of time, so it's not as if it's been slim pickings. Uh, some tumultuous periods, I mean... Uh, during Volume 2's years, would Super League be the biggest story? And what, what was St George's role in it? And how did Super League affect the St George Footy Club? Super, it, look, Super League changed everything. I mean, it changed rugby league completely, but for, specifically for St George. St George, in the end, stayed solid with the, the what I'll call the traditional game, the ARL. And what that meant was that... Um, when the, in the aftermath of Super League, they really had no alternative but to seek a joint venture. If St George had gone to Super League, I think that still would exist in the same manner in which Cronulla and Canterbury exist today. Mm. But the truth is, from the research I did and from talking to a lot of people, St George never got that offer from Super League that they couldn't have resisted. In fact, that's one of the things that intrigues me the most about Super League is why mm. the people in charge at News Limited and at the Broncos, why they went to Sydney clubs such as Cronulla and Penrith. They didn't try and get the powerhouses like St George, like Eastern Suburbs, uh, even Manly. I mean, a part of that was, I guess, because they didn't believe those clubs would, would switch. But the impression I got is that had St George got the right offer, and the right offer had to be on their terms, they might have been tempted because by the mid-90s they were struggling for sponsors. Their long-term long sponsor, Penfolds Wines, left in 1995. They might have gone, but the trouble was it started with Cronulla, came to them and said, let's get together in a southern franchise. And in the end, uh, News Limited offered St George the chance to go to Melbourne. But the offer never came on their terms, and, and it ripped the club apart. And, and one thing about the St George story... In 1996, when St George made the grand final, in, a, in the same season, they made the grand final in September. In January, there was only two first-grade players at training because the club had been decimated. But they fought back, and I think that's one of the great stories of the St George's history, that they made the grand final in 1996. Jeff, uh, uh, the merger with the Illawarra Steelers, has it been a happy marriage? Um, it, it hasn't been, like a lot of marriages, it hasn't been perfect. <laughs> I must admit, mate, I'm totally bemused at the moment by the constant stream of negative headlines about uh, the, the joint venture. I don't think things are as bad as what they are portrayed in the media. I mean, we've had this situation just in the last few, uh, couple of weeks where a couple of young players who haven't made a, played a lot of first grade apparently sought releases from the club. And that was a huge headline for day after day down here, and I presume it got some coverage up mm. in Brisbane. Oh, absolutely, yes. But 
when those two young players, the, the CEO did a fantastic job. They've talked them through, and they're they're both prodigiously talented footballers. They both have now committed themselves to St George. That doesn't appear to have made a a headline at all. And I, I just get totally bemused by that. Another story that's got out has been concerning Craig Young, who um, wrote a, a, a reference for Brett Finch on club letterhead. And, every, and he, he, as he admits, made a mistake putting it on letterhead. But I think there's a certain... I've got a certain admiration for Craig in that he was supporting the son of one of his great teammates. And while there's no question that what Brett Finch has um, did was dreadful... The fact that Craig Young wanted to support a teammate, I actually admire that in a way. And, and if you read what Craig actually wrote in the reference, what he said was terrific in the sense of supporting a friend. He didn't at any moment downplay the gravity of the charges. But to me, that reflected something about the St George story. St George has always been about family. The club is a family and they stick together whatever the circumstances. And I really admire that. Jeff, we've got 60 seconds till news time. So just one... Final question and a quick one. How will Wayne Bennett be remembered there at St George? Uh, he was a fantastic influence. Uh, his coaching was magnificent. And um, the fact that he's the, the coach of the... They've only won one premiership in the last 40-something years, and Wayne Bennett delivered that. Uh, I think he's one of the, the giants of the St George story. St George have had some of the greatest coaches um, in, the, in rugby league history have taken the club to premierships, and Wayne Bennett is uh, absolutely one of the giants of the story because he would have did what he did there from 2009 to 2011. The book is The Spirit of the Red V. It's volume two. So if you've got volume one, you've got to go and get volume yes. two. Jeff, where can you get it from? It's available in all good bookshops or you can get it through my website at www.stakehillpress.com. I really appreciate your support. It's one of the great Australian sporting stories and it needed to be told. And, Jeff, just before you go, you were talking about headlines there. There's no headlines about those guys recommitting to the Dragons. The headlines we get there is anyone that recommits to a club has been missed by the Dolphins. So <laughs> it's a, a different take depending on what state you are in. Oh, I can only imagine that. But for me as a St George fan, they're two exciting talents. And I'm just thrilled that they've committed to St George because uh, St George Lawara, because I really believe the club is actually, despite all the headlines, is moving in the right direction. Good on you, Jeff. Good luck with the book. We'll chat soon. Thank you.